Hey everybody, welcome back to That Scale RC Show. This is Jeremy here with my co-host, Adam Dean. And today we have a special guest with us offering his unique perspective into our little world here, Travis Kendall. What's up guys? Is is there is there a correlation here? Like is there something I'm missing here? No, we're not related. No. Oh, okay. Just it's just, just it's just a coincidence. Okay, I thought I'd ask. Yeah. <laughs> so, how was everybody's weekend? Oh, you know, same old, same old. I, my weekend sucked, but it's getting a lot better now. That's good. You're I, you're gearing up for a malpractice suit, aren't you? <laughs> I wish. That'd be sweet. But, no, unfortunately not. I don't think it's serious enough for them to even return my phone call. Figures. <laughs> wow. I'm missing something here. I'm like... Oh, he's got mono, and they, like, misdiagnosed oh, him yeah. with, like, HPV or something. No. It was, it was <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah. Easy mistake. Lo and behold. Well, I mean... Given that doctor, I actually wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> so yeah, the the story goes was that uh, you know I, I I I went in because I was you know having some issues you know with my my tonsils were flaring up and everything you know and I go in and uh, through this clinic and you know I live in a you know I live in this kind of weird part of you know this the city of Everett and. Um, you know, kind of sketchy around here, and so there's like this sort of community clinic type thing that I live near. So I go in and uh, go talk to this guy, like a, a Doctor Ballgender or something like that. I think that was his name. <laughs> and I swear to God, that was his name. And uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he uh, he asked me. He's like, "All right, well, you know." It failed the strep test. I'm like, all right, well, that's good. It's like, well, I expected that. It does that all the time. I'm like, oh, okay. And <laughs> you got a backup plan for that? Yeah. Then, like, well, well, does it? He's like, yeah, that, I expected this. I'm like, all right, whatever. He's like, does it feel like strep? I'm like, no. Like, I've had strep twice before. This feels nothing like strep. He's like, well, it's strep. I'm like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> it's low key me, strep. Yeah, it tells me it's strep. This is the worst strep I'd ever gotten if this was strep. And then he tries to prescribe me the one medication I told them I was allergic to. And, like, the one thing, of all the things... like He's I'm like, allergic, I'm going to kill this guy. I am allergic to one thing. I'm allergic to amoxicillin. And then this guy's like, oh, amoxicillin sounds good. Well, we'll get you on that for a week. So I finally, I, I, I talked to the guy, and I'm like, no, like, that's... I specifically mentioned I can't do that. He's like, oh, okay, we'll just get on this other antibiotic. All right, no problem. So I'm out of work for a week. By the time Friday comes, he gave me a doctor's note for a day because I wasn't contagious anymore. Well, each day um, following, you know, it keeps, like, flaring up worse and worse and worse. And then with, uh, finally, like, Friday, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore, you know. And uh, I go, I call that same clinic. And I was like, hey, like this, you know, and I can barely talk. I can't really breathe at this point. Like, if something's wrong, it's like, no, you need to go to the ER. We can't, like, don't even bother coming to our hospital. We can't help you. 
<laughs> I, I, mean, I could I could have told you that, but I appreciate the honesty. Oh, Go wow. to the ER, and then they're like, "Yeah, you have mono." I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> so I'm yeah. So I go out of work for another three days, and then finally get on the right medication. But yeah, now I'm not like bedridden anymore, and I can sleep. And so but yeah, it was like my last week and a half. So now things are starting to get back to normal. Go back to work tomorrow. But yeah, it's been an adventure. So this, that, this wow. clinic did they uh, instead of a bowl of candy on the counter, did they have a bowl of Plan B pills? No, I didn't even have a bowl. Oh wow! They just had an event vending machine in the lobby. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. No, that's yeah. all right. So, that's I like how cool. I'm pre I like how I'm pretending that I didn't know any of this either, just for the listeners' benefit. Well, you didn't know that his name was Ballgender. Ballgender. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the detail I withheld. <laughs> so. Uh. Okay, well, I can, I can see why. We we started out this episode like it was like an episode of Howard Stern. <laughs> That's true. People are gonna be, Oops. People are going to be very con confused on what's going on. They'll be like, am I listening to the right podcast? Right. Yes. This this is still the toy truck one. Yes, this is still the toy truck one. The, that scale RC show. Oh, man. Now that we got all the laughter out of the way, or at least the laughter on normal life, um, <laughs> let's start with the our uh, usual rundown of, of questions so our listeners can get to know our guests better. Uh, our first question is favorite scale crawler. Um, first, favorite scale crawler, I, it's, I haven't driven the element yet. I'm really excited to. Um, that's the one I'm most excited about, but as far as everything I've driven, the, uh, the SCX 10-2 is still, still definitely my favorite bar none um but i have a feeling that when i drive that element it's gonna it's gonna change my mind a little bit but uh, i know that a lot of the the terrain up here it's hard to get a whole lot better than than that uh that scx true very nice, true man. favorite place to go crawling um my favorite is uh we have a, a rock park up here i'm sure it's been mentioned on the show before it's a, a cap sandy up in anacortis it's just a uh, it's this, it's this big rock essentially um, that you just kind of drive to the top of, and it has it's it's a crazy grit and uh, just a lot of cool lines. It seems like we find something kind of new every time we're there. Um, that's easily my favorite spot, and it's the it's definitely when the weather's nice. It you know the place just comes alive. Um, yeah, I think that'd probably be my favorite. Awesome. Um, now this one you may I don't know if you've been to enough because uh, we are reminding our listeners you're more racer orientated but you're giving us your take on the scale scene but mm -hmm. favorite scale event um I don't know it does I don't know if Axial Fest counts oh yeah uh, if, if, if Axial Fest counts I would say that uh, when I've only been to one I only went to 2016 um, but that was probably just the coolest RC event I've been to in general um it was just 20, such a... Yeah, it was 20, 2016, I think? Yeah. yeah. And uh, that event was insane. Um, it was really just kind of the best of everything. You know, getting to meet a bunch of people. The atmosphere of that place was crazy. Me coming from a racing background where, like, every almost everywhere I go has some, a lot of, you know, competitive undertones. Uh, mm -hmm. It was really cool to just go to a place and, and hang out. 
and not have to worry about like performance or anything for a weekend and that's a that's a big reason we're like you know the 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 off and on crawling that I do like I don't do comps or anything for that reason so it's a it's a really nice uh it was really nice change of pace for me so I would say Axial Fest for sure to 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 this day was my favorite RC event total that I've ever been to nice yeah 2016 was a good year um, yeah I just can't believe I didn't you know meet you guys before you know, before that, so I I could have swore you did. we were probably a little shy. Like at the time, like I was pretty new to scale RC. Well, both of us were. Yeah. And uh, like you and Elio were kind of like superstar status to me. Like you guys were like you know, kind of like part of the scale scene and everything. You know, like everything that I would see on social media and stuff like that, kind of set like this vision of how I saw scale RC in my mind. And you guys were so involved with Axial Fest and the kids and stuff that that was something that always stuck out in my mind, you know, and so it was, I it was probably just kind of, like, too shy to go over and start talking and stuff, because it was, it felt a little weird, like we were kind of out of our element there for a little bit, but then once the weekend got rolling, it started, you know, being way more fun and loosening up. Oh, yeah. Axial Fest is always a good time. I'm just saying, you know, I was shocked. I, I don't know. But I do know we hung out a lot uh 2017. But yeah, yeah. Travis didn't go to that one. No. No, we took Jared instead. So. I don't remember why I didn't go to 2017. Work. You couldn't get the time off work. Oh, it wasn't only that. Um, It was, uh, that's right, because... Oh, uh, it was we, your birthday, too. Well, it was a birthday, NCT, and um, Electric Nationals in Chico all in the same week. Yeah, that's right. Wow. That's right. I, th- I just thought it was because your dad wanted to replace you. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't found a suitable replacement yet. <laughs> um current number of rigs owned um number of rigs owned and uh, you could pull you could pull a tie you could pull a tie if you want to include all your race cars or whatever you use to race you can include that too i know we typically ask about scale questions but uh well i mean they i guess the, the race stuff does get the most amount of my time i don't actually own a crawler at the moment i don't think no, you have uh, three SCXs. Do I? I can yeah, keep track. Three of the <laughs> S O three of the SOR ones are yours. Okay, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of them that I bought at some point, but I can't remember which ones are mine because you know we, we, we kind of recycle the look every now and again, you know, to keep everything updated. So, um, so I guess there's that, and then I have two two race cars that that really get my attention. Um, I mean, they get more attention from me than the crawlers do, um, at least you know bench wise. So I figure I might as well include them. Fair enough, because like I said, we were blown away when Ty was like, "Yeah, I got something like 300," and those weren't all crawlers. We're like, "All right." I was ex- I was expecting like 50, 60, 300. Yeah. So was I. So that's crazy. <laughs> um, and then you kind of already answered this uh, earlier, but uh, comp versus trail days, which do you prefer? Uh, definitely, definitely trail days. Um, I the big thing that's attractive to me about the uh, the the scale world is that um, 
that I like that I can do it without pressure. I like that I can just go somewhere and do it and hang out with friends and not have to worry about because even even if like my you know if I'm having a bad day driving or you know the 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 car is not performing, um, you know I still don't have to worry about what kind of effect that's going to have on my day because there's nothing at stake, and so. I definitely prefer that, and I try and stay away of the stay away from the competitiveness of the uh, the the scale world because it's I get enough of that with racing, uh, and I don't really agree with a lot of the things that um, you know like scalers and like scale comps and stuff like that are scored on anyways. So for me, I it, there's no incentive to get involved. Makes sense. I mean, I, I totally understand everything you're saying. I'm myself a big trail guy I'm not a big time competition so definitely sure. makes sense to me uh, so then we can skip these if you want um, but uh, favorite scale tire um, for me it was I mean I, I know there was some debate about this if it's a scale tire or not um, if it's if it's truly right it, the best tire I think was those uh, that the Hyraxes I've used, if we're going scale, I think, um, and I'm going to lose the name, um, they were they were IROC somethings. Um, I used them very, like, when we first started getting into crawling, um, back when I had my Dingo. Then that probably was RC foil drive, because I think... I think the they were. I think they were, um... Oh man, I'm gonna. I I haven't even seen those tires in so long, but that's pretty much what I was uh, exclusively using for the first couple months, and I absolutely loved them. Um, and I never. I think the, the close second was the. Well, I, I don't know. It was a second. I'd say maybe the sw the Swampers, but I I never really liked them uh, universally. Gotcha. Yeah, we have that talk. Uh, I don't. I don't put Hyrax personally in the scale just because there's no one-to-one -one Hyrax tire out there. Sure. When I'm looking at when I'm looking at scale, it's got to be off of like you know BF Goodrich, Super Swamp, or Pitbull, you know whatever it is. Mickey Thompson. It's, it's just got to be. You could got to be able to find it in the one-to-one -one world. Right. No, that makes that's, sense. That's just my standards. Um. Not that those mean anything. Um. Favorite motor size. Um, I, honestly, the, uh, I like, I've always liked the, uh, just the 540 can 13.5, uh, brushless, which might seem like kind of a weird answer, but, um, that, that was to me what always felt sort of like a happy medium, like that was really comfortable, um, in terms of a brushless setup, um, brush setups I think feel the best but it's for me it's a little bit harder to dial that in and so um, really just using kind of a 13.5 and sort of driving around that has actually been sort of my happy place um, when I've done it okay so is that a, a Holmes hobby motor or you just no it's just a g generic size we had a Tekken you know that I had in there um, no, that's why. That's why I was just. Try, I was trying to. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. I know five forty is the generic size, but when you said thirteen, I was like, Yeah, it's a thirteen and a half turn. Yeah. So yeah, those oh, and seven, and those and seventeen fives are actually pretty good for for crawling. Yeah, I was really happy with those. Gotcha. See, I didn't hear. I thought it was. Thir I I didn't hear the thirteen point five. I was just hearing thirteen. So I was going. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> 
So I was a little confused, but that was just me. Um, favorite scale body you wish was available? You know what? I wish that there were more. I, I don't know if there's one particular body, but I wish that um, like larger size truck bodies that did exist were more scale. I see that a lot of uh, a lot of like the the Ram bodies and stuff like that, or people that things have tried, to, or, or, or bodies that people have tried to sort of make work on crawlers that weren't exactly designed for. It. And it's really hard to um, get like a like a full size that looks normal on any kind of crawler. Um, everything looks kind of goofy proportion wise, and so um, that would be just something that I that's something I've always kind of wanted to see more of. I don't know if there's a specific one I've really wanted to look at, but it's more just a I wanted to, you know, I wanted it to be able to look scale if you put, um, you know, like an SR5 next to, you know, next to one of those like RAM bodies. So, um, but I don't know if there's really d the demand for it, but that's something that's always been kind of a pet peeve to me, and that's like the one thing I've always wanted to see differently. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because there's certain rigs I have that if you put them next to each other, you're just like, yeah, that's like so not even scale proportionate. Right. Um, that's that's I'm I'm really weird about that kind of stuff. So like it, even well, I, even more so than the tires, I'll look at the body and I'll be like, that's just it doesn't sit right with me. Well, for example, um, my rusty nuts, the tow truck is a Parma. 57 Chevy cab with the custom bed and if you put that next to like let's say my JK the JK is like almost two inches wider body wide and you're just like yeah in real life that, that tow truck would tower over that Jeep exactly which it's hard because the Jeep kind of remains the uh, the industry standard for like the scale reference size because there's just so many of them yeah but you know what do you do but that's yeah. that's kind of been my thing. Gotcha. Um, last but not least, uh, favorite hobby shop. Um. Well, honestly, it's just a main. Um, you know, I don't I don't fully believe in that the you know the online is killing the the industry or anything like that. I think the industry is stronger than ever. Um, and you know, a main has great people that work for them, and they're you know a. Uh, you know they their family business like most are and so um you know for me i'm i'm more than happy to spend my money with them so uh, i would say amen is, is definitely my way to go awesome well that concludes all of our uh, questionnaires um there's a couple things i wanted to circle back to that we can kind of like have more of a discussion off of um but i guess First off, we never really gave you a chance to like really introduce yourself and kind of give us a little more like background. Um, if you want to go ahead and take that time now, sure. Yeah. So um, I've been I've been racing for um, about what eight years? Eight years going on. Uh, it's actually going to go on nine years in yeah. the uh, in yeah in the RC racing side of things. Uh, started back in 2010 in Oregon. Uh, and then been up here in Washington um, since then, and uh, been a you know been a team driver for HB and numerous companies since around 2015. And so I've kind of been in the uh, sort of been in the circuit for a while. And then also I'm uh, 
I'm a co-host for the Track Walk RC podcast, which is the uh, sort of a, a racer uh, Pacific Northwest focused podcast that uh, myself and my co-host Colin Branch of uh, Speed Freaks and uh, Serpent do. Um, we do that weekly as well, talking about things here in the Northwest. We we touch on the industry as a whole, but uh, you know, everyone and their cousin kind of has something going with that, at least on the racing side. So uh, we try and keep it as Northwest focused as possible. Gotcha. So um, now I, I know you didn't really say it. So uh, what what exactly do you race? Like what? Yeah. So um, my my favorite class to race is um, you know uh, eight scale nitro buggy, um, and then probably ten scale four wheel drive buggy. Um, those have been kind of my staples for the last couple years. I used to. Um, I used to race the uh, Northwest Championship Tour pretty heavily, and so it was a kind of a, a Northwest conglomeration of uh, six races of, you know, the the fastest ten scale and eight scale racers the Northwest had to offer, and then even you know some of those who would uh, travel from outside the region to come race with us. So that's been that was sort of my uh, my bread and butter for a number of years, and. Um, you know, I've sort of scaled back a little bit from that 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 at least level of uh, racing, and sort of just do it as I want to now. Um, so that that's been primarily my thing, and so that's where uh, you know that's where a lot of my focus lies. Sweet. Um, no, yeah, I always like to just kind of feed in a little bit more because I know some people are listening, and you're just saying, "Yeah, I race," and, da, 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 and they're probably like, "Race yeah. what?" Yeah, race yeah exactly. you know. so That's why it gives somebody, you know. A little bit of an idea of what's going on, um, and you've already touched base on this about the uh, the scale side and kind of why you're drawn to the scale side. Um, clearly, since you race so much, uh, it's really m more of a way to still be around something you enjoy, but not competing for you know a circuit or yeah for whatever series you're on well what happens what happens with a lot of racers is they get burnt out and i think a lot of people forget why they do it and why you know they spend so much time and money and effort uh going to these races and you know there's not a point in doing it if you're just going to have a bad time and um you know and i i I was very deep into it for years, you know. I, I was racing, you know, pretty much uh, bi-weekly, um, sometimes even weekly. I went to, you know, every race in my region that I could. I traveled down to, uh, you know, to Vegas, to uh, to Electric Nationals in Chico, um, you know, and then California again later. Like, you know, I kind of went all over the place with it. And you, you get to a point where, and, you know, I was really happy with, like, what I accomplished in that time. Um, but you get to a point where you sort of start to, to lose um, sight of why you were doing it. And uh, you kind of, you don't want to do it anymore is what it really comes down to. And so uh, the scale thing is really nice because it, you know, for someone like me, it provides a great avenue to go out and have fun with a radio in your hands um, without there being any risk without there being anything on the line um, because you know as much as I had fun racing and as much as uh, you know I enjoyed so many different aspects of it if I was there racing though I was there to win um, crawling I didn't have to have that and so uh, and that's that's like I, like I touched on earlier that's why I don't do comps or anything 
So um, it's I, I think uh, the lesson being is that it's important to enjoy a lot of what RC has to offer, um, and you can't take the same approach to each discipline. So that's that's where I that's where I stand with it. Yeah, we kind of yeah. skipped the whole like you know, just RC for fun thing and just went right into racing. Yeah, well, because you know, a lot of people, what happens is they figure out they can. You know, if you are semi-competitive and you figure out that you're like, oh, you know, like, my results actually weren't that bad. Like, I could do this. And then, you know, eight years later, you're like, man, what am I What am I doing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, you know, that's just it. It's like, a, you know, I said, I'm super stoked with how that time went for me, but my life didn't really change any. You know, so that it's it's important now to kind of have that perspective to just chill out, have fun. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, this is just on the outside looking in. Uh, I mean, I could. I already kind of like assume. I know why uh, your dad got into it. You know, he used to race. Um, yeah. And you know, moto. So he would actually. So it's kind of like a step down. Like you're not actually putting yourself out there to race. You're still doing it. So you still get the competitive aspect and I'm sure you growing up around it it just kind of like rubbed off on you so that's why you know you guys kind of skipped the whole fun thing and went straight to competing well yeah because we stopped racing motorcycles pretty much the exact moment we started racing our C cars so when you know you know and I we both raced moto but like I, I wasn't all that great and you know um, and you know and my dad was starting to get kind of sick of it and so yeah, you get to a point where it's just not worth it. You don't want to get hurt, and um, and so I. But yeah, and we absolutely, we really did just substitute it because we figured out that this was something we were both actually pretty decent at, and uh, we just kind of ran with it. And it was good because you know, for us, we moved to a place we were unfamiliar with. We had moved from Oregon to Washington, um, and you know, we didn't know anything about that area, and it just so happened that you know. We had, uh, you know, we had bought the business. We bought SOR, and, uh, or you know, we we bought, you know, the company was and sort of turned it into SOR. And so, uh, with that, and then sort of diving headfirst into the RCC, and that allowed us to get a lot more acclimated and comfortable with our new home. So, it made it. Um, I think it was really ingrained in just kind of our daily life and our culture from that point, and uh, we just kind of took it and ran with it from there. And then, yeah. you know, you have different points along the way where you start to figure out these all these other disciplines, like crawling, um, you know. So, uh, But for me, the race thing always kind of stuck just because it was, you know, that was what I, I was always just... I, that was always my uh, my particular preference, I guess. And that made up the bulk of our, like, friendships and social life. Yeah, too. I mean, oh, yeah. Really, like, all we... The first friends we really had moving here was from Racing RC. Absolutely. So, you know, it was a big piece, you know, a big piece of, you know, like I said, our, our daily. It wasn't just kind of a weekend thing for us. Like, it's what we did every day. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, but that's that's the whole thing though is that you know rc has so much to offer and you can do this for years and years but you know uh you don't want to end up in that position where you just get kind of sick of it you have to kind of keep sight on why you're doing it yeah and see that's kind of what what one thing that i've always kind of tried to push um about rc whether it's scale rc racing whatever it's actually i mean i know I'm not kidding anybody when I say this that it's when I if I say it's not expensive but what I'm saying is it's 
less expensive than buying a couple dirt bikes or buying a couple of rock crawlers or buying a couple of buggies than going down to King of the Hammers and trying to race there. You can get something scaled down for a fraction of that cost and go out and, sp and spend time with your family. I mean, clearly, you guys got to do a lot of father-son bonding time through racing, which I think is awesome. It's another way to get kids off video games. I know I'm a big advocate for saying that, um, you know, and getting them outdoors and into something where it kind of shows some responsibility because, you know, things are going to break. You're going to need to do maintenance, and if you start them off young, learning about that, now they're getting a little more mechanically inclined, so later on in life, they're not going to come to you and go, uh, what is this? And you're like, son, that's a Phillips screwdriver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. Exactly. It, you know, and that's 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 a huge piece of it right there is that as far as the money piece goes, like, RC, the nice part about RC is like, yeah, you're right, it, it is expensive, but comparatively, it's really not to those things you mentioned. And it can be one of those things where it's, you know, it's really about as much money as you want to put into it. And I think I think the scale side benefits more from that freedom than maybe other disciplines do. You don't really have that as much in racing. Racing, there's a lot of uh, a lot of overhead and revolving costs, but with crawling, you don't really have that. It's just kind of uh, because that's that's the nice thing about it is that uh, crawling is the most open source division. So um, maybe next to drone racing. So you know, you really it really just comes down to what you can do with your imagination and how far you can stretch your money. And um, and that's something that the crawling industry really has over a lot of others. Um, that's and that's a big piece. But also, as far as the mechanical side of it goes, yeah, you you teach you teach people a lot as far as um, you know, just skills that you know. And it's it's you don't even really think about it that it doesn't happen as much as you think it would with father and son on the father and son. Uh, father and son side of things at least this didn't happen with us but i see this a lot in the racing community is that like a lot of people will uh you know if there's if their kid looks promising you know their their the parent will be kind of like a full-time mechanic for them and you know so they'll take them all races pay all their bills you know and you know work on all their stuff and you know maintain everything between runs so that way the kid only has to focus on driving well then the kid doesn't really have a proper understanding of what's happening with the car how to work on it this and that so there's a disconnect and it isn't until uh years later where um, the kid ever gets involved. I know some some father-son combos that are going into their early 20s where the son still has no idea how to work on the car. And that, you know, so that can be kind of problematic. And so I think, um, you know, I, I had the benefit for sure of, you know, just sort of having to, you know, we kind of just figured it out. And we learned together. And yeah, the, and I exactly that. I, the skills that I learned from just working on an RC car you know, plays into the day job I have now, you know, just as a repair technician. If it weren't for that, I never would be doing this, you know. In a month and a half, I leave for the uh, the Air Force, as a, and I'll be going in as a, a, a tactical jet mechanic. I never would have been able to do that if I had not worked on an RC car, and it, that's what it really stems from. Um, so you have to get the kids involved on the off-track portion as well. Yeah, and that's actually very interesting. So I guess my next question, um, now that you dropped, I mean, I know your dad has mentioned that you're going into the Air Force. I just kind of forget because um, we always got so much going on. Um, now, will that take a toll on all your racing? Uh, well, it depends. So um, it really depends on just where we end up going. It will for a while. 
because um, I'm going to be kind of in the you know the middle of nowhere of Texas for a couple months. But um, after that, I mean, if I if I get a duty station that has tracks or you know, I've either looked at it as that if we have a duty station that's a track nearby, or we uh, we have a station that has at least decent crawling terrain, then I'm going to pick it up as normal because at that point it's really just like having a day job. So um, that that's that's kind of the plan going forward. It's all right now. We don't know where we're going after that, but that's kind of how I'm treating it. It just uh, I'll be doing the same thing. Just probably won't be here. Okay. Um, I was gonna say you're going to Texas. You might want to get into that no prep drag. There's a lot of no prep I'd drag. Be, I know. I've been seeing a lot of that, and it looks it looks pretty interesting. I've I've thought about kind of looking into it a little bit more. It's 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 going to be primarily dictated, you know, by the region. You know, so we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah. Another quick question I wanted to ask because I know we talked about in the questionnaire, you know, comp versus trail days, and you said trail days, and we were talking about axial fest and everything. Now I consider this a fun competition just because it's you're not really there because it doesn't mean, really, in my opinion, it doesn't really mean anything. Um, but like, let's say you were you were going to Axial Fest, uh, would you participate in the rock racing, or would you like avoid that because it's too close to what you do with your other cars? Uh, I would avoid it. Um, we 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 really thought about it when we went. Um, and that's the thing was, though, is that the motivator for me was if I was going to do it, it was because I was going to be good at it, not because I wanted to. And I didn't want that to take away from because, like, if it didn't go my way, you know, I didn't want that to I didn't want that to tarnish the weekend. Um, you know, so and if I had that opportunity to go to Axial Fest again, yeah, it would it would probably be more of the same just because, uh, you know, it. it if there, there was maybe a notion of it at the time, there's always the what if factor of like if I could do it. But at the same time, like to me, like I to me personally, I have nothing to prove to myself, and you know, with that to nothing to others. So like, and that would be the only reason why I would even want to. I think it's cool, and I would love, and I I think the rock racing is is uh, is something that could potentially blow up to be. Um, a pretty, you know, exciting sort of subsport, but uh, it's not something that, at least at an event like that, I would want to be a part of. Well, and the other yeah. thing with that too is, you know, when you come from a racing background, you're used to things being really regimented, and yeah, you know, you've got a driver stand with a clear view of the course, you've got corner marshals, you've got, you know, transponders and a timing system, and it's all, you know, it's a professionally ran event, and when you we've been to some local rock races and then with like the ones at axial fest and stuff it's it once you've raced at that level and everything when you go to do something like that where you don't have a timing system and you, it's you know it's like it's kind of a disappointment because it's not ran the same way that normal rc racing is and so that's kind of probably yeah. the biggest reason why i didn't want to do it. it's a really it's just hard you know it's no disrespect to anybody who puts it on it's just it's really hard to have an appreciation for that racing coming from where i came from yeah that's kind of why i just asked that question because that's why in i guess the roundabout way i said it was calling it a fun competition because it's kind of just for that event it's not like you're going for a place series and you're going to be like okay best of you know the top six will be racing again at the next axial fest it's like oh no you're just there and you're that's why i was asking because it's 
I know it's not, you know, as, you know, professionally set up as some of the races you go to. That's basically where that question Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And that's Which just is it a is really like, good question actually. It is. It's just it's I know I know the competitive side of me would really want to kinda of take that one home. So it's you know, it's more of a I'd say it's more of a me thing and not so much the event. But um yeah, it's just it's it's just a little bit different, you know, from the path of me wanting to be there for that reason. Gotcha. Yeah, I was going to say, well, except for I know you guys are father and son, so that's probably why. Jay's been pretty quiet on this episode. Oh, I'm just, I don't know. It's just neat to listen to his side of how things have happened and stuff. Not his side, like there's two sides. <laughs> it's just it's just neat listening to him kind of tell tell his, you know, our story from his perspective. So, yeah. that's all. Just not something I get to hear every day. No, I get it. I just didn't know if there was anything like interesting you'd want to ask or lead on to for the show oh there's probably all kinds of stuff we could talk about really i mean like i i, th- I think one of the biggest things to me and this is actually something that i haven't even asked you about yet trav is when you do end up getting stationed and stuff like what what was it that made you want to get you know because there's been a few times that you've told me you know well i'm gonna you know, get where I'm going, get settled in and get a crawler and do, you know, do some crawling locally and stuff there. What, what is pushing you that direction versus seeking out like a local track and picking up racing again? Well, the thing is, is crawling, you can take anywhere. And for me, that might be a little bit easier. um, Just given, given how I've, I've scouted some of these bases out and, you know, you just, you never, there's so many different places I could go and you know some of them not even in the states and so like if i go to a place like uh, let's say hawaii you know it's i'm going to be much more hard you know much harder pressed to find a track there than i am going to you know be able to find good rock for crawling right so places like that you know where i've kind of kept in the back of my mind where like you know uh i really want to get involved in the crawling thing more um, me, where I am now, uh, geographically, it's a little hard to make that happen because right around me, there's not a ton of great terrain. You still have to, I, I still have to drive a little bit. So that's where I've been like, you know, I, I want to keep the RC thing up, but you know, I'm on my off time from military stuff. I think that that would be a really nice, uh, you know, just a relief especially given that you know my schedule I'm going to imagine is not going to be very conducive to racing so it just seemed like the smartest idea right makes sense yeah I was going to say because you you pretty much nailed it on the head you could take it almost anywhere the only thing is you got to make sure that you have some sort of something to crawl because yeah where I'm located in the Bay Area there really isn't any place to go I guess scale crawling I guess is the right is the word I want to use like we can always go out to the beach like we can head out to um to the to like half moon bay over at a bean hall or whatever and that's a lot of like rock formations that are down by the water but the tide has to be low um, right. um it's just not an area that's why most of my crawling or scaling happens when i go up towards sacramento or north of that once you hit the sierra nevada mountains there's just trails and rocks all over the place oh for sure and, and, and it might even pan out to be something like that where you know we don't 
go to a place where we have that kind of uh, terrain to work with or tracks to work with, and it could end up being, you know, no prep drag racing. You know, <laughs> it, it very well could be something like that. And so it's just kind of a wait and see, but that seems like, a, to me, the safest uh, thing to be betting on to this point. I've also pretty, I'm pretty dead set on wanting to buy an element right now anyways. So even if I can't take it a lot of places, I'm pretty sure I'm going to buy one when I can. Okay. Which I guess else it'll just sit on the bench and I'll be happy with it there. Well, and this is kind of a good time too to talk about like also, you know, kind of your other underlying interest in scale RC, you know, from the business standpoint too. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, because people don't know what, you know, they, they don't necessarily know, you know, what your plans are as far as like our business and going forward with you being involved and stuff. Yeah, well, so, yeah, a lot of people don't see my involvement with with SOR because it's more of a, uh, it's more of an engineering side of things, so it's what I went to school for, I went, you know, for, a, you know, for, for CAD drafting and engineering, and, um, and it's what I'll be continuing to go to school for once I'm in the military, so, um, yeah, so what I do is essentially just a lot of, a lot of CAD work trying to, uh, come up with this or that for us that we can you know market and sell on a hard parts um a hard parts market towards scale the thing is though is that um you know the scale the scale world in particular is incredibly saturated with everyone and their cousin who has a 3d printer and suddenly they're a you know they're a business and you know they have products and everyone has a gas can that they want to sell and compare to their, you know, these other gas cans, which if that's your thing, fine, but that's not what I'm trying to do. So that's, that's where I, I'm, I'm a little bit more focused on the, uh, the performance side of things. You know, I, I kind of, you know, with the racing thing being a performance background and, you know, the racing that I watch on TV, like I'm a huge Formula One fan. And it's all it's all performance based, you know, completely compared to looks, right? The cars look awesome, but that's they look that way for a reason. Yeah, it's and just so, a byproduct yeah. of the exactly. Yeah, it just so happens that they're pleasing to look at, but it's because that they are these incredible, um, incredible, you know, models of you know peak engineering on a racetrack, and that's my thing. It's like that's that's the fun of it for me and so if i'm going to make an impact in the scale world it's going to be there because then i can offer the racing perspective and the racing quality that a lot of companies can't because that's not their background and so that's what i'm trying to do the only, the, only, the the big catch with is we don't really have a lot right now because i'm i don't <laughs> i want to make sure that it's done right and i'll take as long as i need to do that um because I want to make sure that whatever we release under that SR name is, you know, is is quality and you know can hold up to hold up to snuff. So that's that's more or less the the short version of you know what I'm going for and what a lot of a lot of downtime is spent doing. See, and that's kind of interesting. Um, I wonder if uh, Haley actually listens to us because it was funny because she was talking with me up at Axial Fest and she thought I was a part of SOR and I said no. That's just uh, that's just Jay. So it's interesting to hear, you know, or to get so everyone can get that background that you know, it's a family business. So yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, I mean, obviously he do- deals with the vast majority of it. What I deal with is a very very small piece of small piece of the puzzle. 
um, you know, all the, the artwork and everything like that and, you know, the customer products. I mean, that's all comes down to him and, and, you know, what he can do out. So it's still very, very much a, a one-man operation on that front, but it's for... For me, this is something that you know I've I've had the benefit of having pretty much complete control over, um, and so it's been nice to been nice to sort of um, you know sp spread spread the wings, if you will, to uh, kind of see my vision come through, because there's not really I, you know the, the, there's just a lot of potential with the scale world. You don't have that with the racing side because the 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 cost the the your investment costs are so high in racing, and it's just it's this horrible, horrible uh, cycle that you'll know you'll never get out of. So I think there's a lot of benefit that can come from the the crawling side to have this perspective. Yeah, and it also sounds like you're doing exactly like what um, our buddy Brandon Catton was talking about when he started doing his 3D printed stuff. He said everybody's got a gas can, everybody's got exactly. So he's like, I want to do something more performance-based, and that's how his Snowballs and the whole Snowmod RC um, lineup was born, was through wanting to make something a little different and thinking outside of the box than just doing what everybody yeah. else did. And that, um, that idea was genius. You know, like that, that was exactly what the... That is exactly what everybody needed. And there's yeah. not a lot of that. Like, not a lot no. of people do what he did with that and can do that. No, and the other thing too is not, and I, and I don't want to take away from anybody that you know does scale accessories because you know there's plenty of companies out there from your SBC to even Night Customs, you know, and then your mom paw shops that are doing little 3D printed stuff. You know, yeah. there's nothing to take away from that. But what you know, I'm saying is it is nice to have another point and another drive to create something that you know your quote unquote competition isn't creating. Well, the th that's just it. So many people do it. And if I go, I could do it too, you know, and we would probably do pretty well selling them under that name. But the thing is, is I couldn't sit here and be and reasonably explain to you why my 3D printed shovel is better than the 14 others you can buy on A-Main. Right? True. I can't do that. So... I wanted to be. That was the. That was the thing. Was like where if I'm going to do this, I'm going to offer something, you know, pieces that no one else can do and no one else is willing to do right now. And that's 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 been the the approach I've had with everything that I've been drawing. Because you know you have, I you know, thirty different projects you know that I'm working on at every given point, and that's just it. It's like you know, uh, everything is something new, and that's what I wanna I wanna bring something new. Well, and you actually have a really cool contribution to Scale RC that you've done that not many people know about either. You might have to refresh me because I've probably forgotten now. I can't believe you'd forget. The Is it the utility bed? Util yeah. Utility bed, yeah. Yeah, and I was... Travis drew that. Yeah, the Proline utility bed, actually, yeah, that was... Uh, I drew that, but the uh, Proline discontinued it. I don't... I don't know how it was there for a while available yeah, but a couple years it's not available yeah. anymore but yeah that was kind of that was pretty cool because that was that was sort of the one the one i got to have to you know sort of take and be like hey like that was mine that was pretty cool so that was a that was a pretty cool moment um you know um i'm i hope that it was worth proline's time for sure um and we did see a pretty decent number of those but yeah it was such a cool idea you know from 
uh, from what you know he did with uh, was it like polystyrene, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember mm-hmm. what it was that you built it with, but it, yeah, from something like that to you know just making a CAD render of it and sending it to him, it was uh, it was pretty sweet. So no, that was that was pretty cool. I got to I got to kind of have my one there, but from there I was like, huh, you know what, maybe I could do more with this. So. Nice. Yeah, the utility bed, <clears throat> excuse me, was actually, I had one. Um, it's just I couldn't transfer my vision that I wanted it to turn into. Um, I couldn't replicate that, so I just kind of let it go. Um, I've recently talked about doing another one, but I'd probably end up trying my hand at styrene just to mm-hmm. make it a hard body. But, um, no, I mean, it's... Like I said, it was a great idea. I mean, because you could do chase trucks, you could do recovery trucks, you could do forestry trucks. Right. I mean, the list goes on. Well, so. I think I think a lot of people were in your position where, like, they saw it and they thought it was cool, but then when it really boiled down to it, they're just like, "Oh, what do I? What am I going to use it for?" Type of well, thing. My whole thing was I just couldn't replicate. Like, I couldn't get a good chase rack to look good on it. Was my problem. Sure. Okay. I, mean, I would. I was trying to build a chase rack because then again, I'm you know uh, more of a Chevy-based guy. I like Chevy. Um, I've always been a bow tie guy my entire life, and uh, so I was trying to make it work with the which I think is also discontinued. The um, just the cab of that. What did they? What was it like a 2014 or something like that? Chevy. I think so. Oh something yeah, like that. the Silverado. Yep. Yep, and uh, I just couldn't get anything to mat to you know to mesh right, so it just kind of was one of those. My vision is not getting there. I mean, the overall cab and the truck part was cool. I just couldn't get any of the other stuff to look as cool as that. So I was like, I'm not doing this thing justice. Yeah, we actually, you know, I've got four of those left here, and because most of the others we've either used at one point or given away at raffles and stuff like that. Because we we tend to give a lot of stuff away for raffle prizes and uh what i was thinking of in the the idea didn't really hit me until i had watched that uh expedition overland channel on youtube uh-huh. and so i was watching that and what i want to do is a proline metric cab with the utility bed and then do a rack uh one of the night customs front runner racks on top of the utility bed to span across the whole top of it and put a rooftop tent on it and do like a overland style build because I've seen a few of them now that are that have utility boxes on them, and it looks really cool with, you know, a tent and everything on them. So I think that's probably what I'm going to end up using one of them for at some point. Yeah, no, that'd be really cool. You've actually kind of, like, read my mind. I've always wanted to do an Overland-style build. It's just <clears throat> every time I come up with an idea, I see something else, and I go, ooh, that'd be cool too. And then, like, I start getting all these ideas, and I go, I don't know which one I want to do. Well, it's hard with us because you know we have all these ideas and everything but and you know for different builds but the problem is is the terrain here is so extreme that like anything nice is going to get trashed bad you know and so it's like well okay now it's just going to sit there on the shelf and look cool because i'm afraid to hurt the thing you know because i mean a lot of the stuff that we crawl on i mean there's pretty severe consequences for your rig if it falls you know it's falling you know a couple feet to rock again it's not landing in dirt or bushes or anything and so i mean it you know they take a beating and so it, it's hard to justify building something that isn't gonna really be seen at all yeah i get it i mean i know i was uh i think chris Prestle was actually the one who told me because when he saw me paint the cage for the jk gold he said get ready for touch-up 
And I was like, eh, I know my rig's limits. It'll be pretty good. I didn't realize how much I brushed against that thing um, at Axial Fest because I was looking at it yesterday, and there were some areas where I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I nicked it over there. So, yeah, that cage is taking a beating. Yeah, and that's the problem, too, is, like, the 3D-printed parts and stuff. Like, I mean, I, you know, we do a lot with Night Customs and stuff, and it's... You know, I only have, like, one really decked-out Night Customs rig, and it's just because, I mean, if I had anything else, it's just going to get hurt and broken, and, you know, so it, it, it makes it tough here to build something and keep in mind the punishment that it's going to receive, you know, on a daily basis when the thing's driven. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, because um, actually with the JK, um, Todd Norton printed me out some inner fender wells, and uh, one of them split, so I got to shoo it back together. Yep. Yeah, see, and that's the other thing, too. Like, with hard bodies, like, they're not really something you see a lot of up here just for that same reason. It's just the terrain's so steep and rocky that, you know, there goes a $100 bill if the thing falls, so it's it's tough. Yeah. No, I hear you on that one. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's just strange, like, seeing how things are built completely differently as far as, like, geographic location of the people. Like, they're, it's it, the stuff down there when we went to Axial Fest, like, everybody had, you know, fairly lightweight rigs, and you guys have a lot more dirt there than we do up here, and so these nice lightweight rigs are floating across a powdery silt and stuff like that, and then we've got our just tanks up here because you know everything's mossy and slippery and wet and rainy for you know good half the year and so all of our rigs weigh a metric ton you know just to get them to stick to rocks and uh yeah so i mean it's it's weird seeing how stuff's built and how you know vastly they'll be different from each other depending on where where it's located well that's why they always say like i mean and I guess that's the one beauty of the scale crawling. It's kind of like the one-to-one crawling or one-to-one scaling, whatever you want to call that, off-roading. Uh, because, you know, you, you, you do. You look at rigs from all over the place, they're all different. You see somebody who goes to Moab a lot, it's probably a big monster because they got to go through crevices and canyons and whatnot. And that's where they crawl. You come up to Fordyce or... Rubicon, and it's a totally different built rig because, you know, the uh, rocks are more jagged. So, like I always call it, the beer can look. You look at the trucks that I always see at Fordyce; if they're gonna run anything there, it's the ones that are completely smashed on every, you know, surface level there is. So, you know, the rigs are gonna be tailored to their geographical location. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's kind of like the Ultra 4 rigs you see back east versus here or over in Europe versus here. The Ultra 4 rigs in Europe, like over in England and stuff, look completely different than what we have over here. It's really weird. Oh, yeah. And I think it's because over there a lot of it's mud and not so much rock. Yeah. But, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. I got a good question for you, Trav. Yeah. What is one area just off the top of your head that you feel is the most important area that you think Scale RC could improve as a hobby? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, because when you compare it to racing, obviously there's tons of differences. And, you know, you and I brought a lot of racing knowledge into it when we started. And, you know, pretty soon people were catching on and actually getting sponsor shirts for 
scale RC versus, you know, only having it for racing. Excuse yeah. me, for racing. So, yeah. You know, um, there's a couple. I could take this a couple different ways. Um, the, I think the uh, one of the biggest things, I guess, from a from an actual uh, physical side of it, fr- one of the things that scale could benefit from is get rid of competitions that have anything to do with like scale accessories. I think, um, and this might this is I don't know if I don't know if a lot of people agree with me on this, but my thing is that um, people. You know, if if you really want it to be scale, right? You know, people who you know have full size jeeps and this and that, you know, aren't just loading their truck up with a bunch of shit on it to make it look cool. You know, yeah. it's stuff that they're going to end up needing to pull out these these cars and compare them next to each other and have a competition that's point based off of you know whoever could just glue the most stuff to their car and some people do it really well but other people don't and the thing is is um you know you if once i think it loses i think it loses its artistic value once you start putting all of these numbers and points and values to it and create a competition out of it if you want to have something like that where you want to showcase it have some kind of concourse type thing but you you shouldn't have to go to a competition worrying about you know if you have enough scale points versus how your car is going to perform. And I thought, uh, you know, when I first heard of that, I mean, I laughed. I thought it was hilarious because why? How does that make any sense? Um, and that was one thing that I think almost instantly turned me away from wanting to even remotely pursue anything kind of competitive in crawling. Um, if we want to get off that, I would say that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, there's a, a social media aspect to crawling that you know I think is, uh, which it one of the, it has I think one of the biggest benefits um, is that you know because crawling is so open source, you have just an absolute wealth of knowledge from so many people, but you have a lot of people too who also think they're the only authority. I don't know if this is really an industry problem as much as it is an individual problem with some people, um, but that would be kind of the those are. I kind of gave you two answers, but that's kind of those are the two things that really stick out to me. Is like if there's something I really don't like about this, what is it? Um, As far as stuff that's I guess controllable, uh, yeah, I guess it would kind of come down to the scale points thing. Yeah, you know, you and I've talked too in the past about the level of quality of scalers versus race cars and how completely 180 they are from each other, and uh, I. You've had a chance to look at it because I had brought it over and showed you. But, uh, you know, you and I both had said many times in many, many conversations that the day Associated decides to get into the crawling market that everybody better look out because they're going to have to step up their quality game. And that's something that I I think was probably really evident with that element. Which, that's killer, though, because, I mean, honestly, like, putting out something like that, that's going to make the other brands step up, too. You know, and they're going to come out with better quality products. They're going to have better rod ends. They're going to have thicker rods, you know, and Maybe. Com- come with steel ones and stuff. So, I mean, the competition breeds better machinery. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And that was kind of one of my big things with rock racing, you know, where, like, the 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 demand of the racing really outweighed the quality of the cars that were being raced on it. 
And yeah, they couldn't hold up. <laughs> that was a big problem, you know, taking something like a Yeti, which, you know, um, I, I love Axial, and I think that they get a lot of undeserved hate for a lot of things. And, but um, I, there were some things engineering-wise with that Yeti that I'll never be able to understand or explain to anyone that I would see happen. And trying right. to put that stuff, you know, that car through a course and come back. And, you know, that's just it. And that's, that's a hard thing is, like, you know, from my perspective, from a racing perspective, my, you know, I call call me jaded or whatever, but I, I had, you know... It, it You have a different outlook on those kinds of things and, I guess, a different expectation. And so... Um, and that was kind of my thing with crawlers too, where like, you know, um, with like the first gen SCX, right. And, um, you know, me building, uh, race kits versus me building crawling kits. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pulling my hair out trying to build this crawling kit because it's just, you know, so to me, so unnecessarily built the way it was. And that was my thing was always like, you know, one of these days a company like associated um and i never thought they would do it the way they did but the way a company like associated like element did um you know for them to come in and completely stun the market and raise the bar uh in every facet was uh was really really huge and i hopefully that does result in a lot of companies you know like uh you know, like Axial and Red Cat and, uh, you know, um, and now, what, SSD? Um, yeah, looking SSD, at these, Looking yeah. at these guys responding. Um, I think what you're seeing right now in the scale world is a, a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of a, a renaissance, if you will, as far as people coming out with stuff, you know, we've never seen before. That's A lot of it's going unappreciated. And, um, you know, the, the, if you look at the builder's kit, what the builder's kit has done to the industry, um, not, not from anyone in particular, I don't know who had the first one, but just the builder's kits being set as a trend alone was game changing because then suddenly it opened up so much, there was so much freedom. You know, you used to have to worry about like if you wanted to buy an SCX, you had to figure out which one you were going to buy. Now you can just buy this builder's kit and make it into anything you want. And I thought that was amazing. Um, uh, it, I think, um, unfortunately, it hasn't worked out thus far. But when HPI released their crawler finally, in the short time it was available, um, I think that showed a lot of people that um, that these cars could be more, um, because that was a really good car. And yeah. so, um, yeah. And then now for for Element to come in and do what they've done, I think was a uh, you know, a kind of a, a a message sent to the rest of the industry, being like, "Hey, like you know, show us what you've got," because um, you know, because these companies can do it, but you know, people get complacent. You know, um, I, I'm really just excited to see like if HPI gets some, you know, finally gets uh, back on their feet financially. I want to see if uh, Axial responds at all. But the thing is, is like. Axial could also take the route of, you know, they have a really solid platform already in the 10.2. I know people complain about that it's a couple years old and everything now, but at the um, at the same time, it's a solid car. And, um, you know, to me, it's, I, you shouldn't, I don't think you should update or release anything unless you can handedly make the car better and, you know, 
not listen to all these people who just want to throw portals on it and call it an updated car. So I don't know. Um, I, I think that I think that the the crawling industry is is in a really really strong place right now as far as development and ideas. Um, I hope to just see more of that. Yeah, it's you know what's funny is the people crying for a new car. Like the the SCX Ten Two came out in twenty sixteen. You know that's yep. not very old. And Adam, you've been around longer than we have. How old was the first gen SCX with the AX10 axles? How many years did they use those same axles and the same basic car? About eight years. Yeah. So why are they crying about this? But the <clears> old <throat> one, they were cool with. I mean, they. I could be wrong. It could have been maybe even a little longer because let's put it this way: the AX10, the original Scorpion had those axles and they ad- they adopted those into the SCX10. Right. Right. Yeah. So those were in there for however many years. Uh, all the only reason why I'm saying at least 8 is because I got my first crawler in 2009 and they've been out for at least a year or so prior to that, maybe even more. So if you wow. do the math 2008 to 2016, that's 8 years. Yeah. It's it's just interesting to me. I wasn't necessarily going anywhere with that. It just I, I wanted to ask you because I I've always thought it was weird to bitch about a three year old design car. Well, a lot of stuff came out in a relatively short period of time. That's know? true, but that was everybody else playing catch up. It was well, right. People don't people don't really understand that. I think uh, the the other side piece to this too is that when Traxxas entered the market like they did kind of a little bit off the beaten path as far as what people were expecting and you know wanted to see i think people kind of latched onto that for some goofy ass reason and decided that they you know they 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 saw that and they wanted axial to respond i don't know why okay i guess because you kind of said something that kind of sparked this answer to it uh, or the what i just realized if you want if you want my honest opinion i think it's kind of like the whole smartphone blow up that we had with our cell phones um, if you think about it, which is kind of crazy to think about, the iPhone, I think, debuted in like 2006, 2007. Something like that, man. Yeah. Something like that. Okay? It's now 2019, so we got 12 years later, and we're on, I think, the iPhone X or 10, whatever you want to call it. In between that time, I want to say around when the iPhone 3-ish was out, Everybody was in that race to come up with the new smartphone, and you see it even in the phones. You got Android versus Apple, uh, now Google coming into the game and trying to make their own stuff. It's kind of like the same, in my opinion, the same thing. I think what happens is one company or you know area sees how well another company is doing in that in that category and they're trying to come up with a way how can we get a part of that or take over and I think the same thing happens with the RC for the longest time Axial was the go to if you wanted a scale crawler Um, sure you could go out and get RC four wheel drive stuff but everyone's always said if you're trying to go for looks or you're trying to go for scale you go with RC four wheel drive you're trying to go for something that will perform you go with something like a Axial something that's more driven to be out and compete not just or not I know compete's the wrong word to use but you get what I'm saying you, you're yeah. going to be a better performance out of it versus something that's more scaled out well yeah. 
rewind the clocks three years, you know, because yeah, I think I think you hit it on the nail, or the hit the hit the nail on the head right there. But um, right, rewind the clocks three years, and really, what you have is only a couple of serious crawlers. You had Axial, you had Vatera, and you know the biggest thing that anyone was doing difference-wise between all these cars were if you had different frame rails on your SCX. Now you have a couple years later where you have you know four or five different um, really strong companies that are playing their hand into this market, and yeah, it kind of becomes this arms race of sorts where, and, and you know, and and. All of this is fueled by people who are obscenely brand loyal for no reason. And so, you know, when it comes down to it, um, I think that's where people maybe looked at Axial and were kind of wondering, you know, like, hey, like, you know, all these people are coming out with something like, what are you going to do? And maybe yeah. that's why they get so much hate, but I think people really underappreciate what they have already. But, you know, it, so maybe I guess people are kind of placing the ball in their court you know like hey like you have this like what you know what do you want to do with it and they might sit on it and do nothing we had a company in uh, on the racing side this might not be as popular of a name uh you know for people who listen to this show but uh for a company that i like to compare this to is uh kyosho mm-hmm. so kyosho um you know made you know it was a, a very prominent japanese race car brand they make a lot of you know sort of other stuff too, but they're they're probably I don't, they're not really known in the crawling world. They don't really do anything serious, and so they had the same eight scale buggy platform. They've had that same platform for thirty years. They updated it this year and updated it with the truck, and it's still almost exactly the same. And in fact, people were even unhappy with those updates and have gone back to where this car was for the past 10 15 years and then geometrically for the last 30 and nobody complains and it's the weirdest thing whereas i look at i compare this to like axial where axial kind of came out some pretty cool stuff recently you have you know that unit that unimog was awesome i you know after driving one of those i thought that shit was so cool um it was just so much fun right and now people are complaining. It's like, well, there's no portals, there's no this, there's no that. And I'm just like, well, new doesn't necessarily mean better. And I think that was kind of the point, you know, that I sort of, you know, kind of getting to on my tangent. But um, that's a lot of people seem to, I think a lot of people are caught up in the new right now. Not a lot of people are caught up in what's working. Yeah, exactly. Well, think about this too. How, okay, the MP9, very old platform. Yeah. How how much does that kit retail for? Um, I mean, a basically in, unchanged kit for 10, 12 years. Yeah, and it was it was 750 on a main pretty much that entire time. Never went on price drop, no sales, and the MP10 I think is even more expensive. Yeah, no one's even racing that car. That that's for a kit. That's yeah. not including st- yeah. anything. Not even wheels and tires. So, so, so like it, <laughs> crawling, the crawling world doesn't really have. I mean, I guess you, if you want to call it a premium brand, right? The premium brand comparison, call it like Vanquish. Sure, you know, um, I would say that like maybe they're the closest comparison as to like what this Kyosho company was like price wise. But um, that, that's the thing though is that you know these companies and the crawling, the, the crawling industry as a whole right now. There's a lot of new coming out, but. Um, I think, you know, you have to, uh, companies need to take it slow like Axial and kind of work on something that if they are going to, you know, come out and update that platform, it needs to be good. 
um, because they could very well shoot themselves in the foot if they just come out releasing, you know, bullshit. I don't think yeah. they want to do that. So, I, I don't know. That's kind of that's that's it, where I've, that's where I've kind of been. It's like this new element is great. There's this, like I said, it's a there's a big renaissance of stuff happening right now. But um, you know, well, see, people there's are one losing of, focus. Yeah, there's one other thing I wanted to add to everything that you've already said because I agree with everything you said. Um, I think that. You know, people, it really comes down to, I think some people, and we see this in our day-to-day lives, They, I think it's almost like people want to complain, so they'll find the littlest thing, or really the only thing they could use as a complaint, and that becomes their complaint, because they want to have something to say bad about it, because like you said, there's people that become brand loyal, and this can go both ways, because, I mean, I'll admit it, you know, I'm a little more brand loyal to Axial just because... It's not so much like the brand. It's more due to the fact that it's a vehicle that I've had the most, you know, drive time with, build time with. Um, so it's the one that I'm the most familiar with. So some people, they, you know, like the easier way out. So, you know, go to something that's a little more familiar. But if the other, the, what I was getting at was, like, I think there's some people that'll just be like, well, look, there really isn't much to complain about difference-wise between brand X and brand Z, but one decided to go with portals and one didn't, so I'm going to pick on the one that didn't because they could have. They had the opportunity and they didn't. But see, it's like that, in my opinion, is a meaningless um, you know, argument because it's like you're just picking literally the only difference to complain about. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with brand loyalty at all, but people are so blinded by it sometimes that they can't appreciate other things for what they are in other cars, other companies, and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with you know being loyal to a company, and in fact, there's not enough of it, especially when you start you know talking about the whole sponsorship rabbit hole. But, oh yeah. But what comes with that is that there's also those people who are like you know or you know. RC four wheel drive for life and everything else is shit for no reason. And there's a lot of that that happens and so uh, you know, I think and maybe maybe this is what was actually kinda happening with Axial where like those people were starting to get kind of frustrated because they're like, Well, hey, all these other people are coming, you know, all these other guys are getting their stuff, you know, where's mine? You know, where's where are my portals? Where am I, you know, this or that, you know, for calling I keep saying portals because that's the complaint I hear about the most. And to me, is the most absurd. But that's that's where I kind of come from, you know, from that perspective. Is that people uh, people let that kind of get in the way, um, you know, as far as as far as actual appreciation. Yeah, yeah. No, and I get it. And like, and I, I understand why you're doing the whole portals thing because that is one thing that's being brought up the most. Which it's almost now it's just become like a monkey see monkey do kind of thing now and it's like who can come out with you know the cheaper portals or the portals that actually yeah. hold up better it's like there's only so much you can do and I know I've always said this and this is just my two cents and I know anybody listening to this can take that two cents and do whatever they want with it but I've never been a big portal fan just because in my opinion it's it's not something you see every day on a scale they're rig. Not, yeah, they're yeah, not, they're not scale. scale, you know? You'll on see a real it on rig. a moon buggy or a KOH rig or a Unimog, but they're not on your 87 Bronco. I mean, come on. I think, and that's just it, is that if, it, yeah, if you are building the Mars rover, I think you're onto something. But <laughs> yeah. 
I'm not trying to do that. A lot of people are trying to do that. I don't. Yeah, that's just it. And, and that's just the thing. Like people, people are getting pissed about this because Traxxas did it, and they're like, yeah. "What the hell?" Prior to Traxxas that, what were they it. bitching about? It, exactly. You know? And that's you know it, that was that was one of the things I hated about that car. And so, I mean, what happens is is that social media gives these people a platform they wouldn't have had already and so those comment sections are just insane and that's the that's the thing with the crawling is that so kind of touched on a little bit earlier with what I was talking about the social media stuff kind of bringing us you know back full circle is that the uh, the issue is, is like for racing we have sort of certain race personalities authorities stuff like that where like we have we have pro drivers we have, um, you know, really, um, you know, really strong media outlets for the racing side of things. So in a way, there are these sort of like online authorities. Well, yeah, because they've done it. They've been around ten years yeah. and they've won world championships. Well, exactly. And you can count on their input. Well, crawling doesn't have that. So crawling, what crawling has is basically whoever can, you know, for lack of a better term, spew their shit enough on social media for it to. You know, for you know, to gain enough traction and to be able to post at the right times and know what hashtags to use. That's what it comes down to. A lot yep. of you know your RC YouTubers are like that. You know, not nothing to knock on them for, but it's just it how it's how it is. And so in the crawling in the crawling industry, those people become your authorities because they don't have, yeah, you know, you don't you don't have, you know, world champions and brand ambassadors to go to. I mean, the thing is, is and, you know, it's just whoever can talk enough on Facebook and, you know, whoever can share the, you know, posts enough of whatever company they're sponsored by. And that's that's something that, you know, can become a detriment to that community and has been in the past. Um, that had a lot to do with the fall of rock racing, um, at least, you know, when U4RC was kind of coming up and coming down. Um, so, and it's unfortunate, but that was a perfect example of the effect that can have. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's that's what it kind of comes down to is that, and I I don't know how you fix that, but that's that's the issue. That's that's the primary. Well, it, it has a lot of catching up to do because if you think about this, it's like okay, who's the current you know eighth scale gas world champion or national champion you know for Roar? Yeah, and then who you know so okay so you'll take like David Ronafalk for example. Mm-hmm. All kinds of advertisement, press releases, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Who in the hell is the Sorka Class 2 scale national champion? I've never seen an ad even boasting someone's finish by a company that sponsors whoever won. No one knows. It's like there's so much work that needs to be done where the scale side is lagging and so unprofessional compared to the racing side that... I mean, it, it's this is so. This is true. That's why you don't have any yeah. authority. So this you is you don't have authority true. figures. This is true, but also this is also a big benefit to the community and something that the crawling industry should be happy they have is because um, that 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 feeds into the open source and fun nature of what it is that you know you guys go do. Right. So. Yeah. When it comes down to it, you know, the a lot of that's just it is like the 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 media in racing, it it's pressured around wins, it's pressured around results, and so these you know these guys are going out there, yeah, you know they're getting paid, they're getting paid, you know, um, however much, 
and the thing is, is a lot of, a lot of the time it's actually not a lot of money um, for these you know these pro drivers in RC racing. Where you get your money is when you win. That's where the that's where the the big payday comes, right? So, um, for you know a lot of those that that that's what drives these companies though. And so what happens is is those competitions then breed. Um, new kits, which then generate sales. It's all sales to these companies, and that's how they have to push it. Well, crawling doesn't have that because at the end of the day, these co- these cars that come out aren't competition-based. Element Element very well could have taken because um, it's the same PR team. It's the same PR team is associated, and they very well could have taken it and said, you know, this and this and this for you know competitions and stuff like that and everything else but they didn't because they knew their market were just people who wanted to go have fun on the trails yeah so it, it's it's a little bit of a you know a good but bad type of thing where it, it, it's yeah the, it is because you you are absolutely right and that's always been my big thing is that is what what I think is its its biggest strength. What's crawling's biggest strength is also its biggest weakness. Is where you have a lot of you know a lot of people who you know there's nothing wrong with just going out having fun the way you want to do it. But the thing is, is then people start to think they're authorities, and they're not. Yeah. And but people people feed into it and they comment and they you know share these posts and watch their videos and stuff like that. And like I said, if that's your thing, if you know, I'm not like shit talking you know content creators um but that's that's what it comes down to is like you know that doesn't necessarily mean that it's always good for the industry no um, it's true. and people there are some people who tend to manipulate that others others not so much but some people do and that's that's my issue yeah i mean and and that's with that's just it with racing you've got a champion you've got an authority figure obviously this guy's fast obviously he knows setup and he knows his stuff people are going to buy into that versus with the scale rc world is you don't have that instead these people on social media are your authority figures are just guys that have followers or can create a cool video with you know the equipment that they have and get some good angles and produce a nice looking video it doesn't necessarily mean they can build or drive to save their life you know i mean i we've that's something that we've witnessed before too where it's like you know somebody's a big youtube guy and you know you see him drive and you're like whoa okay wait a minute why do people rely on you for information again like exactly it's it's kind of gnarly yeah. when you think about oh, it you it's, know? it's crazy that in comparison to like for like me like you know people people in the racing racing world locally around here you know listen to me because i've been around a long time and i've made it very clear that i know what i'm doing yeah you, you can't know? just hop you on social media yeah. and start you know spewing everything about how good you are and how fast you are and you know everything about racing it's like well, wait a minute. You know, when's the last time you won a race? Have you been to Roar Nationals? Yeah, anything you know, that are you in? Yeah, yeah are you an IFMAR champion? It's like you know, with racing, you have to prove it. You know, it's like a put up yeah, or shut up type thing. With crawling, crawling, it's not. You don't. It's, yeah, it's well, I have more followers than you do. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's where yeah, it, it, that it kind of becomes that that becomes it. It's it's a you know everyone it, it, that's exactly it it's just people just following other people and that's what it comes down to and there's no real um pedigree you have to have to you know be considered a a, a voice in the industry and there are a lot of good ones absolutely but oh, yeah, um there sure. are plenty that you know don't really contribute anything and just know how to talk and talk the right way to captivate people but you know 
can't if people are gonna listen to them, then you know whose whose fault is it really? Yeah, so. exactly. There's the select few that are gonna actually think logically and just be like, "Man, I'm not just gonna do this or not like this because so and so said it in a video." I mean, there are some people out there with common sense, but then there's also a lot of guys with no mechanical incl inclination or anything like that that they'll believe whatever you tell them. So yeah, it's just it's the it's just the way it works, you know. What do you do? Yeah. Yeah, well, and, it, what, and it's hard because when it comes to, like, recommending products and stuff, and this is something you see on social media a lot, is they're just recommending whoever their bro was that hooked them up. It has nothing to do with performance or whether or not they're a good enough driver to know that that product actually worked for them. It's just whoever's bro gave them the best deal on something, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I think the other thing, after listening to, like, you know, what you guys have been talking about, I think part of it is not even i guess whether you're race related uh scalar related crawler related whatever you know drives you i think that we just have a lot of on a hum humanity you know level there's a lot of disconnect with everything that's going on because i mean you know as much as people you know come to like you know whether it's racing dirt bikes or going rock crawling or playing with your scale rock crawlers or racing your your cars or whatever it is um, a lot of people like to go to that stuff to get away from what's going on with the world. It's like their outlet to get away. And I think the problem is people are more and more and more bringing in the negativity and like all the, like the senseless drama and acts of you know just rudeness that goes on on a day to day basis. And they're applying that like that's part of how we're supposed to accept you know scale crawling or scale racing or scale drag racing and it's like no what happened to you know i mean because i know this might get off topic but in my opinion it goes hand in hand because i've seen it at events and it's stuff that happens in real life i mean how many times do you like you're trying to do something and you're like you know and nobody says oh sorry like you know you're at home depot trying to get something and someone's trying to grab the part that's like right underneath you and instead of saying anything they're like reaching right in front of you trying to grab something and you're just like okay i wasn't was i standing here or was i not and i think it kind of trickles into the rc because i've seen it before too you know you got the crawlers that go out there and they're trying you know they're trying to do something or they'll pull over to the side or they'll wait to see if this person's gonna make it and then they'll either say oh yeah we'll just go around it and then you got the other people that just bombard right through you like you weren't even there and not say a word and you're like really like right. i think as a whole everybody needs to kind of bring it down a notch you know and just get back to like you know, human decency. And yeah, just, let, let's put chivalry back in the game and get it off the bench. And I think that would also help what's going on with RC as a whole. You know, like you said, um, as, oh, this person's two cents seems to hold more weight than this person's two cents, even though they're both two cents. So shouldn't they be the same value? Exactly. So I think there's a little bit of everything going on, um, if you just want my opinion. Um, so No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it just negativity breeds negativity. So yeah, and I, think, and I think that's one thing. If people started working on that a little bit more at events, I bet you some of the negativity that happens would go away. And the other thing too is, you know, face it, everybody likes drama. Why do you think they're on social media? They want to see drama. 
So, I mean, it's funny because you brought it up earlier that um, the Overland on YouTube, uh, that guy, I don't know if you've seen this one, he did an interview where they were asking him, why didn't you choose to go with like a platform like Discovery Channel or National Geographic? And he said that they were approached by that, but there wasn't enough drama. So they said, if you want us to film you and land something, there needs to be more drama. Dude, so, how sad is that? And that, but that's what I'm saying. See, it's like people want to see that kind of stuff going on. So, so I think that stems back to the whole thing about, you know, arguing. Oh, is Axial better than Element? Is Element better than Axial? Is is HPI better than Traxxas? Is Traxxas better than Axial? You know, I think that's why because people want to see the drama. They want to see the fighting, and instead of just being like, you know, like Travis said, take it for what it's worth. I like, for instance, I've said it numerous times. Not that I'm trying to like pat myself on the back or anything, but I've never said Element was a horrible car. I've just said I've never owned one. Do I really have the plans to get one? Not really, but I've never discredited what it is because it is a well-designed car. It is a well-performing car. It's just not one that I have in my arsenal and I don't really have the drive to get at this moment. Right, so, and that's a normal person answer. Like that's like, you know, that's an intelligent answer to it. But I don't think I don't know. I don't know if people gloss over the guys that actually say stuff like that that makes sense and go for the BS instead, you know? It's, it's kind of weird that way. It's it's kind of like the way I I mean, I I view that with a lot of stuff to be honest. Like, for instance, like, I really do. If I had to pick a raw builder's kit right now, like, if they, if you had all the different kits out there between Axial, um, uh, Element, uh, Vanquish, SSD, if you got to look at all those on the table and go, okay, I'm going to pick one based off whatever your, whatever your reasonings are, Realistically, the one that would catch my eye out of all of those, which is kind of like probably surprising to a lot of people, would be the SSD. Now, I know a lot of people would be like, well, what about this? What about that? To me, it comes down to looks and performances when it comes to some of those those uh, kits because I'm looking for something that's going to perform well, and I'm also looking for something that's going to be eye-catching. And the SSD kind of, in my opinion gravitates towards that whereas if you look at like vanquish vanquish is i think they're kind of just using their their weight you know they're a heavy weight and kind of like a higher end tier um name in the industry so i think they're kind of banking on that to push their car not discrediting that their car you know is a horrible performer or whatever i've that's another rig i've never driven i have friends that own them um and the new Pro catches my eye due to the fact that it's got the um, the motor forward idea. Yeah, that trans is sick. But SSD is also kind of doing it. Did they execute it as well as far as where they're doing, like the way they set it up? I know they got a lot of flack for where the motor placement was. Oh, that's not where it would really be on a real car and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you got to kind of depends yeah. on the car though you know i mean like my f-150 the motor's like under the dash yeah you know that ssd is actually a pretty 
pretty sweet looking car. I think the biggest thing that they did wrong was releasing it when they did. I think that they released it a little too close to the, uh, you know, all the excitement <laughs> with the element, and I think well, it and, and the VS410 Pro too. Well, yeah, because the axles are very similar, and I know that upset some people too. So, but I think that was kind of the biggest thing that SSD did wrong. Because the more I look at that thing, it's actually pretty damn cool. But oh, it um, is. But I don't. I think it's a little underappreciated right now, just because people are still kind of caught up in the wow factor. Well, yeah, and I learned something about it addition. too. Oh yeah, for sure. It's. I mean, it's super scale. It's neat. Um, one of the things that is really cool about it, though, is that they have uh, free files that you can download to buy to three D print a different length spacer to push the, the fake motor forward on it. Yeah, see, that's kind of cool. Yeah, because yeah, it's going to be like different that. depending on the car, you know? Yeah. I mean, exactly. You know. Well, see, the one thing I've always seen with SSD is I've always kind of felt that they've been underappreciated because if you think about it, SSD has never really had the, I guess, publicity or the, I guess, advertisement, say, that their quote unquote rival Vanquish has had. You I don't know? think I've ever seen an ad for them. No, they and are that, not a limelight company. And that's what I'm saying. They're like that underdog. I don't know if underdog's the kind of right word to, to use, but they're like, you know, they're the brand that's always lived in the shadows, um, but has always been like that diamond in the rough. Like you can, you know, you can get their products, and they're not horrible products. You know, no, they're really not. They're really not. So, um, it's just. I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people bashed it too is the fact that it's like they're like, oh, what are you doing trying to make your own? you know, rig, mm-hmm. you, guys, you guys have always been a nothing. So I think that's where some of it comes from, too, in my opinion. Um, and like I said, I think it's more just needs to come down to, you know, just respect it for what it is. And if it's not your thing, then move on. With, yeah. Yeah. Move on. Stick with what is your thing. You know, yeah. like that way, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I think it comes from also being like, you know, being in in a your own owned business is kind of like or self employed, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that's what kind of drives always my answers because when it comes down to it, it's like these like in my business, people are hiring me to build them this, fix that, whatever it is. They're not hiring me to give them my two cents on something that has nothing to do with what I'm there for, and I think that's kind of also part of the problem with RC it's like these people are too worried about bringing in their two cents when it really that's not what we're here for it's yeah like, just stop and enjoy it instead and it's like think about it what are you here for are you here for that or are you here you know to complain about something totally not related because if you're going to be complaining about something totally not related why don't you go into that profession instead of doing what you're doing and I think it's like if everybody kind of had more of that big business look, instead of blurting everything out, um, I think everything would just kind of, you know, be better. It, yeah. You know, if you think about it, because like I mean, anybody can get online. Like right now, I could get on the on my Facebook page and I can write out something. I could write, you know, you know, SOR sucks. You know, and they do though. <laughs> 
you're you're ruining my point. Oh, sorry. And the point is, you know, that's just me saying something. Now there's somebody who's going to feed into that and go, why? And then they're going to want to know all this. They're going to want to know all the juicy details. They're going to want to know all this and the other. And I think it's like you're worrying too much on what's being said instead of just being like, oh, well, that's their opinion, whatever, and just keep going. You're like everybody's always so worried about what's going on and the details and this and that and you know and also from me being a business standpoint I should also know better in my opinion to not say anything like that online because everybody's going to put it under a microscope so start learning some of these people I mean like and I see it with with big YouTube names there's people that think just because they put out their you know their videos and whatnot and they, they have this big following and this and the other they can say whatever they want and all their fans are going to agree with them and I think that's when you start letting a little bit too much of what you're doing go to your head um, yeah. and you need to step back and realize look I'm here to do this and this is why my fan base is this way and this is why people watch me and do what I do I mean another example is like what we do we're on here talking about scale RC. If we turn this into a political talk show, I mean, it'd be a t nothing to do with what we were talking about, and we'd probably lose a lot of, you know, listeners because that's not what they're here for. They're here for what it is you're delivering. Yeah. And we are delivering scale RC, so we stick to that. We're not trying to fool anybody and dabble into this and dabble into that just because you have some sort of a following. Right. No, exactly. Couldn't so, agree more. There but, was actually there was something that I said earlier today. It was kind of funny. It was. Uh, let me find it for you really quick. Here, I, I kind of remember like the gist of it, but I might as well just read it to you because it, it was short. And I I'm trying to think what started it because I want to say somebody had posted something about a broken rod end. And, you know, of course, hadn't gone through the proper channels and everything else, you know, to address it. Um, let's see if I can find the post here. Okay, so there was a guy. This was actually something really well said by this guy. His name's Art Eastridge. And this was on the LMNRC Enduro page. It said, I wish all the new generation RC people could go back to the early 90s and see just how good they really have it now. RTR back then meant disposable RC not worth its weight in dirt. Kids were literally a box of parts and a bag of hardware with a book that may or may not give you a good idea on how it all goes together. Sometimes you got a few extras, sometimes you came up short, a screw or three. You didn't call the company and complain. You didn't get pissed because free replacement parts were on back order for a week. You went to the hobby shop or hardware store and you got what you needed to finish a job. Warranty? It's an unassembled kit that was going to be ran in unknown conditions. There was no warranty outside of replacing a missing major component like a suspension arm. We were just happy to be able to buy replacement parts. RCs come a long ways. I can't think of many industries that will replace broken parts, sometimes at the fault of the owner, no questions asked. Go jump your new Jeep Wrangler and see if Chrysler will replace your Benaxel under warranty. Personally, I commend these companies for stepping up and offering us kit-level RTRs at a great price and backing them up with incredible warranties. You guys have it good these days, even with a few hiccups here and there. Enjoy it. And I thought that was absolutely awesome that this guy had said. And then I, there was 
something I wanted to add to it. So I said, I'd like to add something to this actually. AE slash Elements been an incredible, incredibly supportive of our local RC park and in parentheses has a racetrack, skill crawler course, drag strip, etc. It's incredible relationships you can develop with companies and individuals when you don't put them on blast on Facebook. Being a normal person and emailing instead of posting on a Facebook first to try and start shit or get attention slash, slash validation from other knuckleheads goes a long ways too. So, I mean, it's kind of, I, I feel like that's really, really important, and it goes kind of hand in hand with what we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, everybody, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like the old saying, and I know this is probably going to sound like, you know, or not really saying, but like, you know, the old, uh, I guess, ideology. When they always say, like, you know, that's why, you know, girls always gossiped and boys were always supposed to go out and just goof off because it was like they were the ones always trying to, like, I call it, like, rallying up their troops. It's like they're always trying to get validation from the next person, like, what they're doing is right. And it's like, why are you worried about that? You know, how about you focus on yourself and focus on, like, the bigger picture or whatever it is instead of, you know, worrying about the next, you know, whatever Joe Blow's doing. Yeah, what do you get out of that, you know? So you broke a rod end on your car, let's say, and you post on Facebook, and this is just total bullshit, and it shouldn't have happened, and this car's garbage. What are you trying to get as a response out of people for that? Like, what what is your end motivation there? You know, like, do you get some level of satisfaction, or, you know, how, how does that even work? You know, do you gauge the success of what you just said based off of how many people jump on board and talk about what a piece of crap it is? You know, and on top of that, who are these people that are saying this? Do they know anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, you no, really got to take that into consideration. You really do. It's like, does this person have a leg to stand on when they're talking about this? Or are they even remotely knowledgeable? Yeah, and I think that's what it comes down to. I think it's just, you know, social media has become a platform where everybody can just, like, put out their two cents, whether or not it's, you know, really has face value or if it's worth nothing. Um it's like I've always tried to kind of be that way too it's like I you know I really do bite my tongue a lot like I don't try to get involved on a lot of things on on social media just because why what's the point what do you gain out of it you're not going to convince anybody it doesn't matter who you are I mean you can work in the industry and they're not going to you know and that's kind of why I've always that's why like I've always just been kind of quiet when it comes to any kind of like debate really online is because it's like why it's, it's 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 sad that it's come to that though because honestly like somebody like you that's been in it you know twice as long as myself like you have some very valuable input you know and you were somebody I would talk to before I would talk to you know anybody else on Facebook I mean what you know it, it's just going through the proper channels you know ask somebody that you think is well respected and knows what they're doing it's no different than if you are taking your car to somebody or you need advice on you know where to get your car fixed at, you know, your, your daily driver, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not any different than that. It's like, what weight are you giving the people that are informing you of what the decision is that you need to make, whether or not you buy something or not? Yeah. It's it, like I said, I think it's just a conversation piece. I think it's because some, for some reason, everybody's so worried about the next person and this person and that person. And it's like, I don't know if at the end of the day, does it, if it may, if it's like a self, you know, 
I know it's going to sound wrong, but like self-pleasure thing, like is it going to make you feel better about yourself? Is it a confidence booster or, you know, what is it? I, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't get it. I'll never have the answer to that. Like it just, none of it makes sense to me at all. I don't think we ever will have the answer to that because it's going to come down to that individual person. Yeah, I don't Every, think I want to understand those people to be honest with you. Yeah, and everyone's going to be different, you know, yeah. so I don't know. I think, you know, like I said, back to full circle what Travis said you know just take things for what they are and be appreciative of what you have and you know you'll be fine yeah because we have some pretty rad stuff right now Uh, I mean there's a lot of stuff out right now that's really cool and uh, I always enjoy seeing the people taking stuff and you know making it theirs like for instance um, my buddy Bob Tarvin shared a picture with me uh, earlier today on his VS410 Pro and I was expecting to see the Scout looking body on it. The truck version? No. Uh-huh. He, he used a Chevy, um, the step side, the Proline step side. Oh, no kidding. So it looks totally different. So like if he wouldn't have said this was a VS410 I would have just assumed he was using another like SCX10 or Element platform. You know, Brad Perry's uh, VS410 looks really good too. The one with the Raptor body on it. Yeah, like it it matches up to the rock sliders and everything just perfect. Yeah, oh yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And some of these people, it's like seeing them take some of that stuff and making it their own and doing something different. It's it's really cool, in my opinion, because they're taking something anybody else could do, and they're putting their own twist on it. Yeah, that's the type of stuff that's inspiring to me. You know, like that's what makes me want to do more with my business and my own personal cars and everything else. You know, when I see something like that, that's like, oh, wow, that's that's really cool. Uh, another good example of something awesome that I saw was uh, Brandon Catton's, uh, the, I don't know what you would even call it, half cab or whatever he made for his Land Cruiser. You know, that overland uh, oh, compartment yeah, on the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's bitchin'. And he lined the whole thing with trunk liner. You know, like what would be in a real one? I mean, like, that was rad, and, like, that inspired me, and now I want to go do something cool, too. I, I, it, is it the people that don't have the ability to be creative or create that are seeing pictures and hating on them versus, you know, seeing something cool and getting inspired by it? Because it, it seems like the majority of the conversations are, well, so-and-so copied so-and-so, or, you know oh, that's crappy, it it should look like this, or, you know, whatever. There's always some kind of dumb argument, but it's like, how, how does that thought process work? I mean, I, I can't grasp that, because when I look around at the Scale RC world, it's there's inspiration everywhere, and that creates excitement, and then that creates fun, and, you know, that that's what it should be all about. You know, it's like, honestly, I'm on Facebook and Instagram for the pictures, basically, yeah, well, it's like another person that, like, I have to say kind of was like, uh, I mean, I don't know if you want an unsung hero or just somebody that's, like, I would say is, like, SSD, you know, like, not really as popular, but, like, the work that they crank out is very, um, you know, top-notch would have to be um, uh, Wes Braswell. I mean, yeah. he's, he's got some killer, killer... Um, uh, styring work and if you watch his YouTube channel I mean the way he does stuff and the cool thing about what he does which is which I think is really cool and that's that it goes with what we're talking about you know taking something and put your own twist on it and it possibly inspiring somebody else he does the traditional um, 
styrene method, you know, layering it, bondo, all that stuff, shaping it into what he wants it to be. But some of the more intricate stuff, he takes the time and makes a puck, so to say, and he puts it on his vacuum former, and he makes it, does one pull and makes the part that he needs out of uh, styrene uh, on the vacuum former, and I think that's totally cool. Yeah, I think he's made windshields that way too. Yes. Yeah, that dude's a craftsman. You know, like that guy is he he's a different breed, you know. He he and like Matt Cut, those guys are a different breed. So, I uh, sorry, I'm just reading um, cuz I just noticed it when I was on our um, on our Facebook page. So you put out a questionnaire, or not a questionnaire, but you put out the thing about um, get those questions and comments in, and we really only got one, and I figured it would be a great way to wrap up this one because I know we're kind of stretching over our time here a little bit. Um, and it's from Haley, a.k.a. RC Girl, and she said, Just finished last week's episode. You guys mentioned doing progress updates on both your Wraith 1.9s. Just put new wheels on my new one. Otherwise, it's stock, so I'd be interested in hearing from you guys what works, what doesn't, where it's good to spend versus save, DIY upgrades, etc. That is a great question, actually. So I was just wanna, working on that thing today, even. Do you want to start? No, you can. That's fine. Um, I mean, honestly, my, my, uh, my Wraith 1.9 really has not seen much. Um, I did a few things, mainly... Not so much to, I, guess, I mean, obviously it's going to be a performance enhancer, but um, I, I switched out my servo to MKS for obvious reasons. I'm an MKS sponsored driver, so I had to make, I wanted to make sure that MKS was in there for Axial Fest, and then same with motor, I'm Holmes Hobbies, so I threw a Holmes Hobby 20 turn in there just to um, not only perform better, but it'll change. Uh, it's a 20 turn over the 35 turn that comes stock. And um, if I'm not mistaken, since it's the Crawlmaster family, it's the five pole versus the three pole. So it actually is a little more torquier. Um, and the rig worked great. Uh, I haven't really done anything else to it. It's, uh, oh, other than the BPC uh, frame stiffening kit, um, which gives you its new a new pan hard mount location, because I've never seen it, but according to the only drawback I've ever seen or flaw I've ever seen on social media is that pan hard bar snaps, or the area oh, where, no. where it's attached has a tendency of bending or snapping or something like that. Um, but yeah, so I put that on there mainly also to um, BPC is good friends of mine. I mean, they've, I've, I've seen BPC or talked to Bruce and or Mark Betancourt. Um, it's, I believe it's Bruce P's company. Mark Betancourt cuts everything out for him. So together, they're a team. They're BPC, but um, they've been around since I got into this. They were at the first scale endurance I ever went to, almost nine years ago now I want to say and uh, they've been around a very long time so I like to support you know buddies I have in the hobby um, and yeah so I just changed all that and that's really all I've done um, I probably should do some links um, I want to do tires and wheels just haven't really gotten around to it and I think that's probably where it would be the only thing I guess as far as DIY 
I personally am not a fan. I wasn't a fan of it when it was the full when it was the 2.2 Wraith. I don't like that full roof look. To me, it's just too much. Um, it's a two-seater car theoretically, so I don't know why it's got this big old long overhang. So I like to do like fastback mods. So I wanted mine to be a little different. So instead of doing your traditional where you take the lower links and you put them up from the upper link down to the back bars and cut everything out, I actually cut out the cage strategically in the rear and then left the two outer parts and I cut away or dremeled away the triangulated reinforcement up at the roof, heated it up with a lighter and then bent it down so it would line up um, with, I guess, the right around where the shock tower is. And then I drilled and tapped it and put a rod end on the end of it and bolted it through and made my own fastback. So I, so as far as DIY, I would do stuff like that. Like if you're going to do like little mods and make it yourself, I don't see, you know, and this is not taken away from anybody who makes fastback you know modifications for that car because I know uh, BGR makes them back in the day I think it was DMC death metal crawler or DMG death metal yeah, garage, death metal garage yeah. um, they used to make them too and I'm not trying to take away from them but what I'm saying is you know that's an area you could do DIY to make the car yours and personalize it um, and that's really about it I do know that the 1.9 Wraith's body at the bottom, kind of where it goes by the boat sides. I know mine's starting to look like bacon, and I don't know if that's just because of all the... Minus two. <laughs> I like it. I left it. I think it looks cool. I didn't even trim it. Oh, no, neither have I. I'm just saying, I, if, if, if you're that kind of person that bothers you, I would try and come up with some sort of a rock slider setup. Mm -hmm. or, or even just trim the body a little bit higher so it doesn't catch. Or that. And, you know, but I, I left mine. And the other cool thing was because mine right now is just the orange paint, the stock orange paint with some sponsor decals on it, I got a couple good rock rashes. So it almost looks like a real, like, KOA buggy. You got some gouges going through the paint and then into the logo, and it's missing chunks of the logo right where it's been, like, scratched on the rocks. It's pretty funny. That's cool. Yeah, mine, uh, I had peeled the wrap off it and ran it black for a little bit. And it, it actually, like, the more beat up it got, the cooler it started to look to me. So I thought that was kind of neat. But I uh, ended up throwing a wrap back on the thing. But, no, I mean, that's it's it's funny. That Wraith is kind of like one of the few rigs I have that doesn't really need a whole lot. I, I did Vanquish Incision Method Wheels on it, uh, Proline 2-Stage Foams, Proline G8 uh, KM3s on it, and... Uh, made my own brass links with Revo rod ends which was super super easy you can get brass links at hobby town you, or you know you can get brass stock at hobby town or you can get it uh through amazon i had gotten some from amazon it was enough to do two cars i think for like 12 dollars and uh you, know, you just get three sixteenths uh brass brass rod so i made my own links for it Tekken servo and uh yeah like i said wheels and tires and man just just adding the links turned it into a completely different car so if you, you have the opportunity to get some weight down low on the one nine wraith um i would do links or uh 
beef tubes or beef patties. The beef tube three-piece axles are awesome and they're super heavy. So, I mean, you could do that on it. That would accomplish the same thing. You know, uh, I know Incision and a couple other companies have links that you can buy if you're not feeling up to making your own. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, that thing doesn't need a whole lot. A little bit of weight down low, and that is one really capable rig. I mean, it's it's surprised me every time I've taken it out and driven it. it it's very very fun it, it's one of the most enjoyable cars i have i think nice yeah i think i might try that on that rig just because it'll be a first for me i'm i'm really thinking about making uh brass links on that one just to do it just to be different i don't see a problem with them bending and i've seen so many you know lots of people have asked like hey you know don't aren't those gonna bend and it's like no it's it's pretty stout i i don't it's definitely like the last thing on my mind breaking on that car Actually, what did break on it, and I went to buy that brace that you have, and they're on back order already, and the Reefs RC one's on back order too, so all that was left is the SSD version, which is completely kind of a different way of reinforcing that front chassis on it. But uh, So where the bumper is, it's got a new piece that is, uh, it accepts SCX-10 post-style bumpers. You know where I'm talking about on it? Yep. So those shock hoops that come from the upper shock hoops where they come down, the screw right there is, there's only a really thin section of tube that supports that whole bumper. So the bumper breaks off of it real easy. And the uh, Boys and Girls Club kids kind of did a number on it and broke it. And so you end up, it after looking at it, it it's definitely something that can break easily. So that that's something I'd strongly recommend is like the BPC chassis brace or SSD or whatever because uh, it it's going to need it for sure. I don't think it's one of those if things, it's going to be a when thing when, when you break the chassis on it. And, you know, it's half the price of a new chassis. I think that the new chassis kit just to get the part that you need is like the skid, the fender liners, like a whole bunch of stuff that you don't need and it's about 30 bucks versus I think it's like under 20 for any of the aftermarket chassis braces for it so that's i'd strongly recommend one of those yeah no i hear you on that um yeah it's just funny um i wonder if whatchamacallit's is backward i was just while you're talking about that i was just on bpc's website and it says it's in stock on their website oh i i had checked a main gotcha they were out of them already and being out of out of them with two different brands of it, you know, two different brands of the same type of product, it sounds like a lot of people are having that issue too. Which whatever, who cares? It you know, it, like you'd have to be lame to call Axial and want it warranted. I mean, that's you know, whatever. It broke, replace it. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. So, well, I was gonna say, I think. That is it. I wonder if that's if this is gonna be if this is my computer in the background. I'll be pissed because I have everything turned off, and I keep. (laughs) (laughs) It's not mine. Mine's on mute. Not mine. Listening through headphones. That's probably me. It's always Adam. Every goddamn time, it's always Adam. Something. Cell service. Hey hey hey. Go have a five star meal with Elio instead of doing the podcast what are you talking about shitty internet connection (laughs) or (laughs) it's always adam (laughs) yeah 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 well trav do you have anything to uh add before we get off of here any 
any parting thoughts? Um, no, not really. Just thanks for having me. Um, if everyone could do a, a favor, if they're ever interested into the racing side of the world, pop over and check out the uh, Track Walk RC podcast on uh, Podbean and Facebook. Other than that, I'm good. It's it's a great one. I listened to it today, the one with Jeff Keaton, so it was pretty awesome. No, it's definitely cool. If you're a Northwest guy and you're even thinking about racing and stuff, it's it's a good show to listen to and get some insight into the local scene around here. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you you know you guys keep talking about how it's like local and stuff, but you have these like national and sometimes like international level guests. But yet yeah, you, well, you still mean, try and pitch it as a Northwest only thing. I mean, it's yeah, it's like, it's geared towards it for sure. But yeah, no, we definitely have. Um, You've had some cool guests. We've had some cool people come on the show, and uh, you know a lot of cool ones in the works. So it's been it's been it's been a pretty cool journey and talking to a lot of people that you know we probably never would have otherwise. So um, no, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, you know we've made a lot of good friends doing it too. So uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a it's been a blast. Yeah, definitely. It's it's been fun, and we we both kind of started this little endeavor about the same time. Too. Yeah. Well, what what episode is this this now? This is seventeen. For seventeen. Us. Yeah, I think I'm a. I think I record sixteen this week. So yeah, we're a little bit behind, but yeah, it's around the same time. Who are you guys having this week? Who's your guest? Uh, we actually don't have one this week. It's just going to be uh, Colin and I kind of brushing up on things. Um, because we haven't our last two episodes, we haven't really had a whole lot of opportunity to sort of. Uh, catch back up with the world especially with our last episode with jeff uh being as long as it was so um yeah it's just gonna be uh just gonna be calling and i this week um yeah and you, you can find us uh, every monday this is when you can expect new episodes from us oh there was one thing that i had said i was going to touch on on this episode and i forgot to do it and it was something i had posted so saturday night we went and did we uh at diehard rc park we held a uh, poker run and it was a night run and stuff and it was really cool because probably more than half of the people that were there i had never seen before which was really really cool and uh, a lot of kids which was great and i mean everybody's out in the dark having fun and laughs and winning prizes and stuff and honestly like i went to bed that night and i had like the most satisfied feeling like i just like it sounds really corny but like i just went to bed having like a full feeling heart you know like it was just a great day and a lot of great fun that everybody had and it was just it was really cool to see so i'm looking forward to doing that but it was it was a a really unique experience because i had never done a crawler event with anybody else like with brett and brenda and stuff and that was really fun we had we had a great time and so uh and seeing Brett and Brenda get even more excited about it was really cool. So that that was a really fun event, and I think we're you know looking forward to doing a lot more of them out there. So yeah, I mean, I, what Die Hard is doing is incredible. You know, yeah, and what's happening out of that field. We talk about that a lot with us because it's just it's such a I, it's such a model right now of what people should be doing in an effort to grow the hobby. The hobby is very strong right now. Um, like I said earlier in the episode, I think it's the strongest it's been in a really long time. But um, yeah, I mean, if you if you really want, if you want to know how to do it, you know, um, they they are the place to look. Die Hard yeah. is where it's at right now. Yeah, they're making it work. It's and it's they're doing a bang up job. It's it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. 
So anyways, nope, that's it. I I wanted to share that little piece of news and talk about how cool that was and a lot of big smiles. So that that's yeah. That's my my parting words. That was a good time. Awesome. Cool. Adam, you got anything for these people? Uh no. Um All I got really is I will be not this weekend, but the following weekend is the 4th annual Autism Awareness Crawl uh, presented by ASD Crawlers out at Patterson, California. That's up on their Facebook, um, and I will be there. So that's all I got. That's We should do the events last because it's like the beginning of something and the end typically is what stays in people's minds most of the time when they hear or they read something. So like I think that's probably a good idea from now on if we just do the at the very end of everything go over the events that are coming up. Yeah, because I was saying, I know that's the next one I'm going to be at um, locally. Um, and then after that, I probably will not be at anything until Crawl for a Cure, which is October 5th. Yeah, I just saw your name pop up with your logo for sponsoring that, too, actually. Yeah. yeah in, my, in my news feed, you and RC Four Wheel Drive. That'll be my, this is my first year actually announcing that I will be donating to the raffle. That's awesome. So, Good yeah, idea. Mark messaged me and I got to come up with some stuff to send them to for that, especially if we're not going to be able to make it down. I'm going to do my best to make it to that one, but e- either way, we'll we'll be contributing something to it, so that'll be cool. Well, maybe we should uh, maybe we should uh, do a team and we can also get a, a, a that scale RC show as a sponsor. Yeah, figure that'd be, out. That'd be pretty cool if you guys could put something like that up. Yeah, we need, but it's so, we'll have to collaborate on something. But sometimes it's hard with the distance. But I have an idea. But it's it's we it's, we'll make it. We can make it work. It's it's just logistics. We can make it work. Good, so, yeah, good idea. That'd be fun, dude. Let's do it. Okay. Alrighty, guys. Well, we will catch all of you nerds later. Have an incredible week.